Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. Three CR eight five five AM.
3CR, 8.55am, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR On Demand. Out of the Pan, hosted by Sally, first broadcasting noon till one every Sunday afternoon, currently Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. 3CR proudly broadcasts from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and we pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that the land was stolen and never ceded and that language used on this program can be very much more of a Western or colonial nature. Mm. If you want to get in touch with the show wherever you are around the world or if you're beyond the world, let us know. If there is a way, if internet works on Mars, please um, get in touch with us. Um, or Venus, um, because we're gender balanced on this show. There's lots of ways you can do it. Out of the pan 855 at gmail.com. You can SMS 61456 751215. You can tweet at Sal Gold said so, and that's the bottom line. Or look for the posts on Facebook on my page, Sally Goldner, or on 3CR um, 855 AM Melbourne. And just a reminder that any opinions expressed on this show. Uh, those of myself and my guests are not any organisations with which um, we may have are or have been connected. And we opened up today with um, James Dominguez and um, um, ably assisted by Pete in getting by, but a couple of times it seemed like by didn't want to be visible or audio, audio <laughs> audible, which seems like a totally unplanned segue, people of all genders, um, into today's show. It was really great last month to see some big moments in my involvement in the community or in my time for by people um, a huge plenary at the better together conference a visit by by an ear robin oaks and then 75 people marching under the by banners in pride march huge moments but it hasn't always been that way and someone in to discuss it with us is someone who amongst many things is an awesome writer researcher and other things who is being suitably modest and that is Dr <laughs> Maria Peotti Caroli Maria welcome back to 3CR and out of the pan oh hi Sally i know it's so great to be back here thank you it's a pleasure and the thing is of course by people and for that matter all of the whole range of sexual and romantic orientations gender identities and expressions and Sex characteristics have been part of humanity since time began, but of course haven't always been visible. And we wanted to have a chat about that today um, in the Australian context because yeah. of the um, research writing and observing that you do. And I'll let you dive in somewhere <laughs> and in well in the history of this continent. Yeah. Um, where where do you want to start? <laughs> well, you know what I'm like. I'm just like, go in and just um, let's we'll talk. Swim. Yes. I can give <laughs> <laughs> and I can talk about, um, I guess, from my, my perspective and what I saw and what I was part of and, yep. and, and also an opportunity to honour you, oh. Ms. Goldner, because you were part of this incredible time, well, difficult time, when bisexualities and genders were not considered and polyamory were like very extremely more negative than some people see now. So it gives me a chance to honour people like from the Sydney Bi Network, mm-hmm. like Graham McKay, Wayne Roberts, Glenn Vassallo and Michael Winter and early researchers like Kirsten McLean, who's yes. still at Monash. Now, Kirsten, I feel, has never had the recognition because she was writing at a time when it was very difficult to do the research that people like me and Julia Taylor can do now. And also to say how wrapped you and I are, and a lot of us are, that we've got people like Misty Farquhar, yes. Dahl, Ruby Mountford, Anthony Leckers, James Dominguez, Rebecca Dominguez, still yep. carrying it on. So... 
Um, I will, if you like, but interrupt me, Sally. You know what I'm like. I'll just start getting excited and ramble. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's um, about, let's yeah. try to pick a point. Start yeah. obviously acknowledging, as we said, that um, something else that's worth adding is, of course, um, you know, there's been uh, what in today's Western language might be called LGBTIQA plus people of mm. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander backgrounds on this continent. For years, but of course, we've seen so much erasure of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander yeah. history yeah. generally. We probably know, um, have even less access to that history. And I think yeah. that needs to be acknowledged. So, acknowledging, sadly, the sort of colonial stuff we had, I think I might try, I'll pin a starting point. Obviously, yeah. 1969, the Stonewall riots in UK, and then, you know, sort of nine years later, we had. Mardi Gras, which of course was not all glitter and sequins in those days, mm. it was a riot. Let's start there and what that means with those two points in an Australian context. What does that mean for what we're now calling, say, biplus? Yeah, I think the colonial stuff really has to be looked at. You know, we mm. need to look at the fact that there are many cultures, and working for AGMC, Australian LGBTQ Multicultural Council, we know there are many people from many cultures who were. Unfortunately, binarized, if I can mm. say that, by That's missionaries and Christianity and Catholicism, um, working with and talking to Amal, who's a Samoan, Fafafine. We know yep. that certain words don't don't count anymore. Um, yeah, I think also in I think in 1978 with the first Mardi Gras, there would have probably been a little bit more inclusivity in Australia in terms of white genders and sexualities but there were still many omissions and we see that all the way into the 90s Sally with Mm. the Sydney Bi Network and the Mardi Gras which went from this supposedly inclusive protest movement to quite corporatized marketized Mm. it is a lot of fun it is celebration let's not forget that but I I was there when Mardi Gras decided that bisexual people and transgender people were could not be members I know. It's horrific. Um, I think this was like 1997 and bisexual people and and, um, trans people or non-binary people had to fill in a form, a hand hand form in those days, where you had to stipulate, say, why you think you should be a member of the Mardi Gras and the protests and the actions. And I remember the Sydney Bi Network being absolutely appalled, but it failed and I've written about this, it failed yeah. because younger members of the LGBTIQA plus communities went, uh-uh, that ain't cool. We're either all in this together or we're not. And people stopped going. People began to stop going. So, Sally, as you and I know, economics mm. talks, money talks. When the Mardi Gras board saw that they were losing people and losing money, suddenly they began to rescind that. They began to go, oh, okay. But that was a very distressing time for a lot of people for a couple of years. And I don't think we've completely removed that. We're seeing great stuff. But I think I remember um, writing, being there at this conference, I remember writing something which got the permission of the people who were at this conference at that time. And I'm happy to share it with you, but about the people who were there and how they felt that by trans poly pan communities are the commu- is the is the community mm. where people who have been thrown out of other communities established communities have space to be themselves there's one thing i want to clarify there about that yeah. why they why you you wanted to join 
gays and lesbians didn't have to say why they wanted to join. If they ticked a box that said gay or lesbian, it was just, hello, welcome. Yes, horrific. So I remember Mm. seeing this form, and of course it wasn't my right as an ally, but to to fill it in. But I remember friends and and people and my, my loved ones going, you know, what is, look at this form, we have to write. Yeah. What we have done, that was it. The words were, what have you contributed? What makes you think you can be part of this community? Which is pretty bad. So <sighs> I think before we read out what you've got there, mm. which is historical documentation, um, and it is in context, we'll probably give intensity warnings, language warnings, and we'll say biphobia and probably transphobia warnings. But I think we have to discuss this. We can't keep bearing these things. So... Read it as it was written, and um, you know, as I say, there are those warnings there, but it's in historical context. Yeah, it's actually very. I feel like it's a very positive piece because it got approval of the people. But when this went out, this kind of work went out to the more established gays and lesbians of the communities, mm-hmm. um, and also there were bisexual members on that board, Sally, and I'm not going to name names who were bi, and they're were, sitting there, sort of. Being a bit complicit in it. Yeah, and it was interesting because we there was conversations around the Bi Network then about um, the the leaders of the lesbian community and leaders of the gay community. And there were two particular leaders. Woo, I don't want to get you and me into trouble, but there were two particular leaders who were having this affair, clandestine affair, male, cisgendered male, cisgendered female. And this is that horror that was going on in Australia in '97. Mm. Yep, and ninety eight. So if you don't, if you like, I can read. This let's really re- let's read it out. I think, <laughs> as I say, I think it's difficult, but we do need to face these issues and understand where we've come from. Yeah, um, I think so. As bypass and as a rainbow overall. So go for it. Okay. So and if I bore everyone, I'm so sorry. But this isn't. This is was approved, and it was something that the members of the queer community, the bi community, then wanted um, out there. And so this is, there's such an exhilaration in being with so many people who are so similar in different ways in this paradise community of communities that other communities in our community don't want. The bi guys married to women who want them to pack their bags or keep it quiet in their circle of significant others. The bi guys married to gay men who want them to pack their bags or keep it quiet in their circle of significant others. The bi woman who's the president of a regional bi group who went from being a full-on lesbian separatist for 20 years to marrying her first love, a man, and coming out bi. The non-monogamous bi guy in a long-term, long-distance, as in two continents relationship, the married bi woman who runs SM skills classes and whose straight husband minces around in leather shorts. Shorts. Shorts, Mm. footy shorts. The ex-Navy guy in tats and machoism, the guys complaining they look too straight and the guys complaining they look too gay. Mm. The guy who looks too Italian to be thought of as bi, the guy who says he looks too bi to be thought of as Italian. Where else in the so-called queer community could a gorgeous size 20 suburban housewife with manicured nails proclaim herself bisexual and run several businesses, including evening swingers clubs in her home in good suburban taste? Couples don't have sex on the first date. It's like your friendly neighbourhood get-together, she says, where you talk about the footy, the kids' schools, the latest fudge recipe, while sizing each other up for fuck potential next time, she explains. Except we're more honest about it. And, and get hurt less. All this said in the company of a bisexual man looking like the Oxford Street Queen, the Oxford Street Queen's want, that he both is and isn't. 
that he both admires and parodies in his bright lycra greens and oranges, tight pants and tight muscles, and who can only think of marriage as something he's a product of from an ancient time and an ancient place. <laughs> Next to him is the very butch-dyke, mean-looking woman whose steel eyes glint when she mentions her boyfriend of five years, as if, are you going to argue with that? And sitting over the other side are two transgender people chatting about the cost of their parts, one male to female with long blonde hair and one not male, not female, non-binary, with shaved head and budding breasts and lycratrites, revealing everything they are in this space where they can. And hovering over them is the goth who bites necks and spits out the perfume as if it's the ultimate vampire repellent. He tells them that goths assume you're bisexual unless you declare otherwise and calls out to the straight hubby running past him that his leather shorts look quite cute. The hubby explains his bisexual dominatrix wife tore his good 40 stubbies in the other night in a football fuck fantasy. (laughs) This is the community of communities that the so-called community does not want. End quote. (laughs) End quote. (laughs) So, sounds like bi people are a cross-section of humanity. Um, Yeah, that sounds about right to me. (laughs) If I had to do the executive summary on that. Yeah. 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 And I remember also, if you don't mind me saying, Fritz Klein, who those of us who are academic nerds (laughs) would remember with his Klein-Kinsey Institute, um, Klein-Kinsey Continuum or Spectrum. Yeah. And he came to this conference. He, he was part of this, and unfortunately, he has passed away in 2006. And um, he was very pivotal to empower and support Australian peoples in a non-colonising way. And he was very pivotal to Sarah Lubavitz, who was my colleague at the time and a good friend, who was running the Women of Bipartners Network. Because, of course, the other thing, Sally, this mm. was the era of bisexual men being demonised as the AIDS vectors. Mm. So Sarah and I, Chris, um, I remember Fritz saying, you need to do this work. We need to get more out there. Because, of course, the bi girls, the bi women, the bi cisgendered women were always seen as the, you know, girl on girl action for straight men. Of course, which hasn't, of course, gone away either. No. And I know working, talking with and hanging out with Ruby, this is something that's extremely difficult for bisexual women. And um, I remember Sarah and I saying, thank you, is are we approved to do this work? Mm. And we were. There it was. I'm going to pause there. We'll just do a couple of quick messages because there is something that is important on this week's show and for all three CR shows. It is our subscriber drive this week. So um, if you, you can join online or in business hours, call 01, or actually given that we've um, got people from all around the world listening, 613-94198377. And just to prove that we have um, listeners from everywhere, um, Kayleen has said that she's tweeting from the Great Beyond, also known as the Astral or Bandura. <laughs> I haven't. You know, there are lots. Of, it's a diverse population in Bandura, as far yep. as we're concerned. But we'll just do a couple of quick messages to remind you about subscribing and 3CR stuff and how you can support the station. And I want to come back and talk about how we moved through that um, difficult time in 1997. Talk about the aid stuff and then how we got to some conferences and other things for bi people. So we'll just have a quick breather with some messages and um, come back to part two of the discussion between myself and Dr. Maria Paiotti Carolla. You're on Out of the Pan on 3CR, 855 AM digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR On Demand. Well, brothers and sisters, what a show of strength we've got here today. 
local issues. So I'm here at the school, kids strike for climate action. Live coverage. Join the, the spirit of this gathering here today at IMARC. Your voices. So give us a bit of a lowdown about what's happening. There's about 200, 250 people here at the moment. Community struggles. We're now in front of the uh, Tundaminuaya Mōbohina Monument. I'd like to thank Community Radio 3CR, who for the last decade has been broadcasting here. Feed Radical Radio, your membership is vital. A few hundred people about to pass us right now. Lots of young people standing up for their future. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. Wear your Radical Radio colours in one of 3CR's new T-shirts. The bright new design comes straight from this year's popular Radiothon poster designed by Aisha Tufa. T-shirts cost $30 to pick up or $37 with postage. So drop into the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Call 9419 8377 to place your order. Or buy one online at 3cr.org.au slash shop. 3CR Radical Radio T-shirts. Get Get one one now. CR 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3CR.org.au, 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally and guest Dr. Maria Paiotti Caroli talking by history in Australia. And we had a huge discussion about what was going on in the 90s with, um, we used the shorthand Mardi Gras, which of course still causes um, yeah. issues, read the name, <coughs> and constantly seems to be debated. Um, and then also what was happening in the 80s and early 90s with HIV. Mm. So let's take one of them at a time. Um, sort of, let's go first with how we're given those forms. And I have, I'm, you know, I just find that sort of approach appalling that there is that double standard, um, particularly from one group that face was still facing huge, or two groups that were facing huge marginalisation at the time, being gay and lesbian, to others. I mean, it shouldn't happen, of course, from any group to any group, including mm. people who have privilege, etc. How did you, what did BiPlus and Allies do to get past that, get it turned around? What sort of actions? And, mm. you know, how did that go first? Let's start with that one. Yeah, well, the first thing that was really important was to get out there and speak, speak out, speak up and find spaces where that was allowed. It would, unfortunately, would land in the hands of mainstream media, which, of course, is very convenient for mainstream media Mm. to do the divide and conquer. Oh, look at this. All the queers are fighting amongst each other. That's easy, especially the Fred Knoll era. Well, that's right. Uh, And then, of course, excuse the 3RW talkback listener, say, yeah, we don't have to listen to any of you lot. Exactly. But we've got to do what we've got to do. Yes, and that's what they did. That's what the BiPlus communities did that... Number two, they grabbed some allies who were mm-hmm. willing to speak up. So I remember Robert Reynolds, who, had be, who was quite renowned in the gay men's community for activism, saying, uh-huh. hang on, you, you guys are getting it wrong if you're going to do this to members of our community. Yeah. And gradually it began to be in the media, the queer media, so Sydney Star Observer, some other people. But it would often be like a little column 
on the side. Oh, guess what? The buyers and the trans are like playing up a little bit. Uh, and then it grew. It grew and it grew and it got international attention. Mm-hmm. And gradually there were people from overseas, such as um, a whole lot of Robin Oaks, for example, who yeah. were like, how can this be happening? Because we see Mardi Gras overseas as this mythological community fighting. Mm-hmm. You went from being arrested to being... So they also began to have a voice in as allies, not dominating, going, hang yeah. on, we're all coming to your country for Mardi Gras. And we, we are tour. And we, is this what's going on? So that gradual growth happened where they actually had to change that in 99. Can I say one of their reasons for setting up this form is that yeah. they, they, they actually saw, when we actually tried to ask them what's going on here, they saw bi, trans, non-binary people, gender-diverse people as muddying. You know, what if you had an oppos- a so-called opposite-sex partner? Then you'd look straight. And you oh, were, no. I know. <laughs> so there was all these, so they were trying to justify, they, I hate this language because it's so colonial, pure you know, mm. Sally, I'm sorry, this is really uncomfortable stuff for a yeah. lot of us. It was like they would say, like, but we need to keep Mardi Gras pure. And I remember one leader, one gay male leader, who was positive himself, and it was appalling that people would do this to each other, but, hey, we know people do in terms of hierarchy. He said, you can't let some of the bi women in here because they'll take our boyfriends. Oh, dear. So, you know, we've come a long way, but that was so action, action, writing, allies, everything that we do today, which was very difficult back then for a lot of people. Well, yeah, one, because people of all sorts couldn't be out. Yes. And two, nowadays we've got these uh, amazing devices called computers and social media (laughs) and all this high-tech stuff, which is, you know, it's, well, to quote Batman, it can be used for good and and both evil purposes, Robin, but it can help us connect more easily, which I think connection is so critical for people in groups that face isolation and marginalisation, etc. But I was going to ask you something which has always puzzled me, and this can be your subjective take, research Mm. take, whatever, what is it, in your opinion, that causes people from one marginalised group to um, dump their stuff on another marginalised group who they perceive as further down the totem pole, so to speak, oh. further down the hierarchy? Oh, Sally, that's something that's still puzzling all of us who are mm. sort of deep in the books and deep out in society trying to figure this out. It's happening in Australia right now with ethnic communities, what we call ethnic communities. I mean, there's the established ethnics who own Ligon Street and Chinatown, and then you've Mm. got emerging refugees and asylum seekers who these people, including people of my parents' generation, were experiencing the same Mm. racism. And now they turn it around and say the very same things. What Mm. we put it down to is what you began this program with, Sally. So you got it. You know it. Um, It was It's colonialism, hierarchy, and you've got a white... And as soon as I say white, you can see some people getting very upset with that. It's a white, colonial, powerful infrastructure. And marginal groups often feel that the only way they're going to get somewhere is they've got to climb that ladder to be like mm. or be liked by uh-huh. those people in that group. And unfortunately, as a, I call myself a feminist, I have seen women doing masculinist stuff Oh yeah, to other women. To, mm. in order to climb that ladder. So yep. this is all we can put it down to. We've had um, theorists from the multicultural spaces, colonial spaces, 
you know, like even this term post-colonial is really only the former colonisers use the word post-colonial. People who are in, who have been colonised, they're like, it's still happening. Oh, of course, yeah. And so, so many mm. people and... Um, you know, I can't. I can't believe anyone would even think we're in a post-colonial I know. time. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> something that happened to me last December, and I want yeah. to be really clear. You know, you don't just because you go and do one cultural education session with something you don't identify with doesn't make you an expert or a perfect ally. But I did some. I was on the receiving end of diversity training with Victorian Aboriginal Child Care Agency. Ah, yep. And I, I just have to be honest, I had no idea that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children were still being stolen. I thought that was a thing of the past. Mm. And then also we heard about the documents people were forced to carry in the 1940s, don't speak your own language in town. I mean, <sighs> I think that yeah. we, we all don't know that we don't know stuff, which is okay, and we've just got to keep learning. But it was a huge shock and yeah. led to huge feelings of anger and disbelief. But it also says, hey... You know, people, other people are putting down other people. Let's see how we can get together, work together more effectively, yeah. perhaps stand up for each other's causes, which to use a, a true meaning of a true Australian saying is just a fair go. Absolutely. And I think your example, and thank you for sharing that, because a lot of people aren't listening. Now, Dino Hodge, who um, edited Colouring the Rainbow, Black Trans Perspectives, remember, black, black Trans and Queer Perspectives, talks about, I wish people would listen. Mm. Now that we have all these digital opportunities to learn, last night we were at a dinner party with um, Jack McDulloch and Dino Hodge, just hang, hanging out. We wanted to find out when the First Nations of the US had actually been given, I hate those terms, Sally, yes. citizenship. All you've got to do these days is Google. I'll never forget Mama Alto at an AGMC conference when someone said, where do I learn all this? And, you know, Mama Alto's got so much that she's doing. Yeah. As everyone has, she doesn't need to spend time ed educating white, normative, straight people. It's like, just Google. <laughs> yeah. It's easy to get information. Now, in the 90s, it wasn't so easy. But the fact that we will sit and go to spaces like you did, Sally, that I try to do, um, we go, we listen, we um, ask questions and we apologise if we're offending and mean it, mm. and we learn, and this is something that... I really love about the younger generations of queer, non-binary, mm -hmm. gender diverse, sexually diverse, fluidity. It's like we are seeing this and we are seeing people do it so well in so many ways. It is happening, yeah. yeah. Got to give a mention, um, Colouring the Rainbow, Black, Queer and Trans Perspectives by Dino Hodgson. Of course, you could get that at Hairs and Hyenas would be a good place to buy it. Yes, um, absolutely. And can I just add, shamelessly, says Maria, and you can stop calling me Pilotacurali, just Maria. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Please. Um, living and Loving in Diversity, one of the things we did very carefully was we had a welcome to book. Yes. By Annette Shiberas, who is Wurundjeri Elder, because Absolutely. it's like this book was written on in the Kulin Nations, on this land, and we also wanted to make very clear as a decolonising process that we weren't going to put Indigenous queer issues into a book on multiculturalism. Because you know what, Sally, talking about that hierarchy you talked mm. about, those of us who come from migrant and refugee backgrounds, we also come into this country and put up our monuments and carry on. But mm. we must also recognise whose land we are coming onto. Yep, a very fair call. All right, we've still got to talk about bi and HIV and other things, but yeah. also we'll have a chat about that in a second. Also talk about um, 
um, also how things began to move perhaps during the 2000s and mm. um, the 2010s, ending in 2018, of course. Um, but let's just have a little bit of a musical breather, remembering that um, this is Subscriber Week on 3CR. Join us online or during office hours, call um, 613-9419-8377 and support the show. I need four people to join up. Um, so please do that, everybody, um, and make sure we keep independent radio on time, so we um, on ongoing on air so we can have these debates. In the meantime, um, well, the bi band began to get together. I had to do it um, because um, last a couple of weeks ago I bought the latest Cold Chisel album. <gasps> Ooh, is there a, a latest cold chisel album? There is called Blood Moon, and look, I've got to say it's possibly one of the best they've done since the the sort of seventies, eighties mania of cold chisel. They just everyone's on fire instrumentally, songwritingly. Oh. Um, obviously, the sad loss of Steve Prest, which the drummer a few years ago, but Charlie Drayton, the legendary blues mm. rock drummer, is in there and writes a song with Don Walker. So here's the opening track on this album um, called. Getting the band back together. Um, let's get the buy band together and keep it together. Yes. 3CR 855am, 3CR digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR on demand. Out of the pan with Sally and guest Maria. The 
3CR, 855am, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR On Demand. Out of the Pan with Sally and guest Maria, uh, first broadcasting noon till one Sunday afternoon, Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Um, and we're talking with uh, Maria about the um, history of the bi community in Australia. And there's still one topic we want to clear up from earlier, and that was the impact of HIV on the bi community, any impact, direct, indirect, and just um, mm. then we'll move through to the 2000s and 2010s. But obviously want to mention um, the HIV situation yeah. of the 80s and 90s. Yeah, it was, um, it, it was again, it was part of that era of demonising the mm. so-called other in the so-called other. Mm. And I think bisexual men were a very convenient group. And again, it's because they disturbed that lovely binary of gay-straight um, white black um, mm. male female and they were see and again it was all about the straight community the straight world because it's yep. like these guys are coming from a marginal group they're coming from the so-called i hate this language sally but this is the time mm. they're coming from this group of deviants who are doing deviant sex acts and they're bringing it into the the, the straight world so again it was about protecting heterosexuality it was about protecting Norm, so-called normal society um, and I think that shut down a lot of um, bisexual people into, and also people in relationships with bisexual people yeah. because it was a sense of we need to protect ourselves, we need to, I remember meeting Sarah Lubavitz running Women with Bisexual Male Partners but it was set up and had got a little bit of money um, through ACON, the AIDS Council of New South mm-hmm. Wales but the focus was supposed to be on HIV. Now as a woman who was married to a bisexual man, mm. um, she found that very disturbing. But the only way you could get anything out back then was through the HIV lens. So it was a very difficult time. Yes, there were situations of HIV mm-hmm. coming through, um, say, to women who were in relationships with bisexual men. But it never was this incredible hysteria, this incredible amount that we were constantly being told on the media. There were wonderful researchers back then, Juliet Richters, a whole lot of fantastic people, who the data, medical data, never showed that that was a situation. It was one of those beat-ups. Yeah. And not a consensual beat-up. No. (laughs) (laughs) That it was about, we got to do something about, it's all about disturbing that that group but I but I remember the effects um and the effects on relationships you know we we were working with women who said I love this person and I understand that he was having sex with men falling in love with men because society doesn't allow him to be out society doesn't allow us to negotiate and navigate how we're going to do our polyamorous or non-consensual non-monogamy um or even non-picket fence for lack of a better term relationships absolutely so some women and see, we never got that story in the media we never got the story that there were women in relation cisgendered women or non um transgender women who are in relationships with bisexual men who stayed with the guys who understood the problem is not him yeah the problem is not the sex he's having or the love he feels the problem is a society that has not made him able to tell me from the beginning of our relationship Mm. that this is what we're going to do so we were trying to get that story out about hiv the hiv vector Mm. yeah lots of i mean just very very true lots of parallels in there i'm also a memory that came back was um, possibly one of the first major trans pieces of research in the 90s was the now sadly late Roberta Perkins and her work oh, HIV yeah. and, yes. and trans, which is how probably she got her funding. 
and you know what a pioneer she was for trans and yes. sex workers. Um, yeah. But yep. yeah, that's how it had to get in there. Yeah. So I wanted to mention that because it was obviously a significant moment. But let's um, now come mm. forward again through to the two thousands and two thousand and tens and what. Um, might have happened for bi plus people mm. in Australia during those two decades. Now, from my perspective, and as I said, it's purely my part of the world of research and life and relationships, and things went very kind of went quiet. And I don't know whether the nineties had taken so much energy mm-hmm. to work through the HIV stuff, to work through this demonising. Yeah, um, that a lot of groups kind of became a little bit more fragmented, a little bit more like we've we're just trying to get on with life at the moment. And I and so I can't recall strong actions. And correct me if I'm wrong, Sally, but I remember things kind of because we wondered what happened to the Sydney by group. It wasn't as visible or vocal. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Rebecca and James and yourself were doing incredible work here, but there seemed to be like from internationally, people began to not hear from Australia. From what I'm picking up, they say, "What's going on there?" It's kind of got, and and I could be very wrong. As I said, it's only oh. from my perspective, but. And then gradually things began to grow again. Well, yeah, I think I'd, I'll throw in a couple of thoughts yeah. then on the 2000s. I think that, you know, whilst politics is politics, I think up until, say, about 1996, there was, you could agree to disagree. There yep. was, you know, possibly some good and bad policies from across the political spectrum. And then I'm going to call it, as I said, a reminder mm-hmm. that this, this program is my personal opinions, the Howard era. And I think the early 2000s, people were for a long time at the sort of tactics of that era going things, saying things like WTF to themselves or even out loud. Mm. And then, of course, we had the marriage amendment, the negative marriage amendment in 2004, and that yes. became a focus to get that back. And also that in itself, but also I think probably how for the methods used to campaign for that, the sort of assimilationist, you yes. know, where... We're just like you heterosexuals, except we're homosexual. Don't tell anyone. And I think that yes. probably um, pushed groups like bi, trans, for whom I can obviously have a reasonable opinion. And my guess, but my strong guess would be um, people with variation of sex characteristics mm. would probably feel the same way. So yep. I'm wondering if they could be explanations. I think you're spot on, to be honest, because now you've, you're making my filing cabinet in my head jiggle around a bit. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, that's right. I remember um, Rebecca Dominguez, awesome, amazing pioneer and great person in the bi groups, having to navigate mainstream media when they say, well, how do bi people feel about marriage equality? And also, I think the silencing by gays and lesbians mm. who were really working for marriage equality who were actually telling bisexual, poly and tra- gender diverse people not to say anything because it will prevent. Mm. And so, again, you've got this mainstream throwing out these appalling stereotypes, which the top of the hierarchy of the queer community are kind mm. of going, okay, we're going to have to become a little, you know, we're going to have to work with that. And unfortunately, a lot of people were lives were destroyed and I think there was part of that because it was I, I I don't know it must have been a very difficult decision being a bi-trans person to go what do I do here do I speak out and prevent and have you know be used by the mainstream mm. to voice or do I agree oh this sounds awful Sally do I agree to be used by mainstream gays and lesbians mm. to get what they want whoa I've just thrown that out there I'm thinking about it you know, I think for a lot of people there was that position. Oh, look, let's be—I'll be frank. Definitely, it wasn't. Of yep. course, it 
reached a, the really low point during the, the dreaded postal survey oh, with so oh. many people of, say, bi and or trans feeling, I can't campaign this way. We've got to get marriage equality done, but I can't yep. do it this way. Yep. And I think there's been, a, apart from one good, good leader, and full credit to Rodney Croom for having the humility and vulnerability to say, I didn't realise how hurtful how that, that yes. approach was. And, I'm, yes. and he said publicly that he's sorry, but so many other well, I'll say people in positions of prominence and influence in mm. the gay stream mm. have not acknowledged it. No. And when I hear phrases from some gay men like, oh, we don't have to protest anymore, and I just sit there and, you know, sort of just as well there's things all over the desk here on this side of the panel, otherwise I'd do a head desk and get <laughs> injured myself. It is incredibly worrying, but there are it also is. there are people realising no marriage was not the end of the rainbow. We haven't all cr- no. climbed it and slid down the other side. Yeah. But there's still those people in positions of power within yes. the rainbow who are not um, opening, holding the door open. They've got in, they've slammed the door shut and saying, well, mm. you now have to throw your shoulder against it, you buy and trans people, etc." Yeah. So, yeah, yep. we've got to do something about that. And, yeah, exactly what you said. And you said it so well that I, in a way that I wouldn't be able to articulate it. Mm. But I think... I think that is so true, and I think, again, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is you've still got this hierarchy of who's mm. in power. You know, there's great books out there called White Fragility and, you know, Whiteness and Why I'm No Longer Explaining Racism to White People, and, mm. and I think this whole thing about who's at the top. And there's the whole intersectional stuff, Sally, as well, that you are not just gay as a, a gay white man, but you may have economic privilege, you may have mm. educational yeah. privilege. So you are belonging in different parts of your world yeah. to a group of really powerful people, and you then stamp on. The stuff you're talking about is what's happening to a lot of our refugee and asylum-seeking queer yeah. people who are coming into this country and who are, who are saying, like Amal does, in Samoa, marriage equality actually isn't the biggest issue mm. <laughs> for a lot of our people because, you know, we've got things like food, poverty, trying to get a visa into Australia, trying to yep. escape, you know, what's going on. And so, you know what, great, marriage equality is great. But can we also focus on homelessness in Australia? Mm-hmm. Can we focus on mental health amongst our LGBTQIA plus and mm-hmm. plus 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 communities? If they have this power now, put that to good use, but not in a white saviour complex. Absolutely, you know the principles of allyship. Walk beside someone. Yes. Um, ask what can I do for, and what can I not do for you? Yes. And. Yes. Um, Yes, and to use, again, that favourite philosopher, Batman, use your privilege for good and not evil purposes, Robin. Yes, exactly. And look, I have no qualms with, as a married person, I have no qualms with being married, but the situation is that there should be space for all forms of relationships and everyone should be an ally to everyone else, to all genders, all sexualities, and find points of collaboration and allyship rather than going, please shut up because we've got to get our rights through. No. No. That's not, yeah, there, there is also another one that you don't improve one um, group's human rights at the expense of another. And exactly. it's a complex framework, but mm. it has to be done. We're going to mm. have another couple of messages and a reminder once again to subscribe to 3CR um, online or um, phone during <clears throat> office hours 63941983777. Um, please do that on all shows this week and um, make sure 3CR keeps providing independent critical media. A couple of messages, then we'll come back with things that are coming up and wrap up 
um, our conversation with Dr. Maria Paoli Caroli on the history of the bi community. Perhaps we'll have a think about where we'd like to go. What would the, the, blue, the blue bi sky look like? Yes. Come back and have a chat about that in a couple of minutes. Looking for an easy way to keep up with your annual 3CR subscription? You can now set up an annual debit from your bank account or credit card and once a year your payment will be automatically deducted. You can cancel at any time and you'll get a reminder each year before payment. Be a constant supporter of Melbourne's precious independent community radio station and set up a recurring payment today. Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. Julian Assange, the editor and founder of WikiLeaks, is facing extradition from the UK to the USA at a trial commencing in London on Monday the 24th of February. A public rally will take place where we can call on all parties involved to end the torture of Julian Assange. Let's help bring home Melbourne's own Walkley Award-winning journalist. If he is extradited, he faces a secret military trial and a likely 175-year prison sentence, if not the death penalty. Please be on the right side of history and join us on Friday the 21st of February, 6.30pm at Victoria State Library. Rally is brought to you by Melbourne for WikiLeaks, proud supporter of Community Radio 3CR. Three CR eight five five AM three CR digital three CR dot org dot au three CR on demand. Out of the pan with Sally and guest Maria, and about um, eight and a half minutes to one. And we've got to um, wrap up the show um, very shortly. But before we do, things what are coming up. Um, there's lots of things going on. Um, there is um, an alphabet soup meeting this Tuesday. Have a bowl of alphabet soup with all of the rainbow. And um, hopefully, and I haven't double-checked, but I'd be pretty confident and say that Spectrum, the neurodiverse queer uh, meeting group, is on in Carlton um, this Wednesday um, also could be a trans cafe night, lots of things happening and lots of stuff going on, Bent TV and QTV on Friday nights. And then Saturday, things get underway for the year um, for the or the Trans Anxiety Group. The Saturday version is on at 11 o'clock in Carlton and Trans Family is back for the year um, for, for 2020. And it was so awesome in the last two meetings of last year, <clears throat> between 30 and 35 people squishing out that front room at Carlton. So that's a bit of progress, which leads us nicely into, um, well, the big blue by sky. Um, if we want progress, what would Bytopia look like <laughs> or something like that? Um, but, and then sort of let's go, let's go with that first and then some steps as to how we can keep going on that road to, towards it. Yes. Sentient life topia is um, is a world where every facet of every person is respected mm-hmm. and loved mm-hmm. and allowed to be free mm-hmm. and 
with that responsibility to the environment, responsibility mm-hmm. to each other, that we see our causes as part of many causes, and yep. we are allies to each other. And I'm seeing it, Sally, more and more. I'm seeing younger people going, you can call yourself whatever you want. We can connect on so many levels. We can take care of each other and take care of the earth. And let's learn. So I, I see increasingly beautiful people who are wanting to learn, who are seeing you, and I've heard this as an elder, <laughs> who has been there and has paved the way. And the respect for that is absolutely fantastic. So I'm seeing this more and more and more. And I'm, I'm now being heartened as well because we have people like Robin Ox. Yes. Who are coming to Australia to learn and to again engage with the incredible people here. Um, more in May... Look out, everyone. Yes. Christian Klesser is coming. Now, those of us who are like fangirls of intellectual bi-poly leaders will know Christian through his writing and research, but I also know him as an amazing person, really down to earth. He wants to hang out with a lot of communities around Australia, and he wants to do his seminars. So the University of Manchester will keep him doing this. And um, look out for this. So Melbourne by Network, by Alliance, Amber, and the Sydney by Network, Misty and Duke, we're all trying very hard to see if we can get him around the place because he wants to meet, share, learn, and be part of what's happening in Australia, and I love that. All right, put some tentatives in your calendar for every day and evening in May by (laughs) by Plus and Allies. We just got to get them around everywhere. (laughs) We will, will, seriously, we will get dates to you as quickly as we can. Yes. Um, I think your your summary of what we want is pretty cool. And of course, yes, it covers all aspects of humanity, sexual and romantic orientation, gender identity, expression, colour of skin, neuroprocessing, the whole caboodle. Absolutely. um, How you work, including sex work, the whole caboodle. Um, So I think that was a really good way to um, wind it up because we do have to make way for Freedom of Species Cup, talking all things animal advocacy at one o'clock and including, yes, respect for all... Um, flora and fauna, um, zoology and biology as well Absolutely. in there as well. Dr. Maria Pauti Carolla, it's always a pleasure to have you on 3CR oh. and out of the pan of an absolute um, font of knowledge in all your filing cabinets, um, <laughs> mental and physical. Um, and yes, let's get keep documenting it and getting it out there. And thank you so much for everything you have done for Rainbow Communities and Allies over many, many years. Sally, thank you. And I've, this is where Marie becomes a suki lala, but I just want to thank you. And I want to thank all my communities for letting me be part of it and let me know when I can and when I can't be part of it. And I just want to keep doing this work for it. Thank you. All right. We'll keep doing the work, but occasionally we will relax in a responsible, <laughs> in a responsible way. And here's a track from the, the most recent Becky Cole album, Lioness. Um, oh. Becky having fun as usual. Here's a track called Wine Time. 3CR, thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan. I'm Sally Goldner. Thanks to Dr. Maria Paoli Caroli. Catch you next week. <laughs> Going home and get my girly on, it's wine time Hurry up with the mascara, I'm as dry as a Sahara Yes, it's wine time A bottle and a platter and there's nothing else that matters when it's wine time I've known them since the 80s, they're the finest group of ladies When it's wine time Pour one for Robbie, she's a little snobby She says wine time Debbie says it best She's out from the west And she says Wonton 
you likes a bottle fizzy, she says, wine time. But if you're getting it from me, I'm as loud as I can be. And I say, wine time. Ten green bottles hanging on the wall of the garden of the Jugaville. We start out greedy when we hit the nitty gritty when we're fixing all the problems of the world. We're all sophisticated at the clinking of the glasses. Seven hours later, we'll be falling on our asses. We're never too far from divine. When it's wine time, you join the ladies for a drink. You're saving thousands on a shrink when it's wine time. Aging Dr. Savvy B, it's time for therapy. Oh, yes, it's wine time. Well, there's nothing quite as healing, no more clinically revealing than the wine time. So take your medication, keep up the lubrication when it's wine time. Ten green bottles hanging on the wall at the garden of the Duke of Earl. We start out pretty when we hit the nitty gritty and we're fixing all the problems of the world. We're all sophisticated at the clinking of the glasses. Seven hours later we'll be falling on our asses and when they too far from divine. When it's a wine time. Say it's wine time. From the fashions of the field to the holding of the heels, it's wine time. From behaving like the ladies to a chunder in the daisies, yes, it's wine time. You're showing that you care when you're holding back a hair, no more wine time for you. Ten 